Hey, 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 it's the Kentucky Guy here. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a special report that we've done on FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and how it relates to the modern families and the historical families of this country's upbringing, such as the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgan, and so forth. This is part one of the special report on FDR and why America, why we're in the shape that we are in. Once again, this is the Kentucky Guy. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Red Pill Burn News Podcast. Welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your truth finder, the truth seeker, the award-winning host, the Kentucky guy. Hope everybody's having a fantastic day today. All right, folks, if this is your first time listening, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button, no matter which platform you're listening to us from. We are on 73 different audio platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and the list goes on. Also, if you're a sports fan or a wrestling fan, I do co-host with Donnie Cage Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We drop new episodes there every Monday and Friday. We talk about pro wrestling, past, present, and the future. Uh, also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or have any questions for me, the Kentucky guy, you can always email me at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. That's olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. I do drop two episodes here a week, normally on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Sometimes they're different days. All depends. We just dropped Saturday's episode this Monday because I had a special interview with a uh, hypnosis. So be sure to uh, check that program out. That was very interesting. He also blows the cover and the roof off and uh, mediums out there. <laughs> so today's episode will be also our website, our merch shop, all of our social media is in the bottom in the description. So be sure to check out those links below as well. This Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than normal. It's not going to be the normal headlining episodes that we've been doing here lately. However, we're going to go back and we're going to do a special report. And this special report is going to piggyback off in the last report that we haven't actually finished. We've come close. And that was the Great Society Report. So as you know, on that report, we talked about MLB, Lyndon B. Johnson's Great Society that he, that he set up and how it conflicted with the school system and what have you. What I'm going to talk about today is I'm going to go back even further, even further the 1965 and LBJ and talk about another president and give you a little bit of history about him. 
So you know what? I'm I'm kind of excited because there's a lot of stuff I think is going to open up a lot of eyes probably in the next couple episodes that we're doing on this special report because it's time to find out how all this stuff started and why. And they've had the same agenda, folks. They've had the same agenda that they've had from the beginning. Biden has this agenda. Obama had this agenda. Clinton had this agenda. Bush had this agenda. Both Bushes. And it all started from here. Let's get into today's special report. The question is, who was Franklin Delano Roosevelt? Or as you know him. Franklin D. Roosevelt, historically pervade Mr. Roosevelt's achievements, may now be seen to have threefold and each represent peerless in his country's future. He helped to arm Zionism. He armed the revolution in the Moscow Citadel, and he opened the gates of his American Citadel to its agents, Douglas Reed, in the controversy of Zion. FDR was the 32nd president of the United States. He occupied the office from March 4th, 1933 until his death on April 12th, 1945. He is uh, a as a man who led America out of the Great Depression and then onto victory in the Second World War. In a separate article, it would have shown that it were FDR and Winston Churchill together and not Adolf Hitler who participated World War II, a war that the international banking families had planned. Uh-huh. This is going to sound new to, once again, we are not, this, this program, I want you guys to always do your own research, okay? And we are not in favor of Hitler or Nazis or any of that. All I'm doing is presenting you with the results after extensive research that me and my team have done, what we've found, and you go from there. Do your own research. That's all I can say. Here we go. Adolf Hitler, and by the way, this is pulled from all over the place, so this is not just uh, one article or what have you. This is stuff that we put together, put together and wrote out to share with you all. Adolf Hitler did not want to go to war with the British or the Americans and did his utmost to avoid a clash with them. But both FDR and Churchill had been brought to power by the clique called the High Cabal by Churchill for only one purpose, the destruction of Germany and the creation of Israel, as well as the UN as a means to moving forward to the one world government. See how long this has been going on for? How long ago? This one world government would be global, slave state, with a highly reduced human population, it will be run by the wealthiest families on the planet in collusion with their suburban allies. This is the essence of the New World Order. Larry, Larry Romanoff stated, similarly, I was taught the two world wars were caused by Germany and the gallant little England prevailed over an evil enemy, but was again surprised to learn that it was the Europe Jews who contrived mightily to bring, bu- bring about both world wars, that in fact Germany resisted war until the very end and was a victim of a massive hate campaign by the Jews who wanted it destroyed. 
Wow. It were it, it was essentially the dominant Jews international banking families that had planned and manipulated the two world wars. And if one digs deep enough, one cannot avoid this a certainly concealed conclusion that they did use ordinary Christians and Jews as a cannon fodder for their own imperial quests an ongoing quest spread over several centuries now. Amazing. In order to understand the global mess of today, and it's important to understand how and why was World War II brought about and by whom. And yes, we are in a horrible mess right now. So it's good to, sometimes you got to go back in order to move forward in the right direction. For this purpose, it is extremely important to expose the truth about FDR and Churchill and point out important facts not mentioned in highly controlled and untrue narrative about both of them that dominates the textbooks and history books published by major publishers. It is therefore necessary to look at FDR and Churchill closely and mentally. Today, we're going to look at FDR as much as we can in this episode. So who really is or who really was FDR? Emmanuel M. Joseph had pointed out that FDR belonged to the Roosevelt Delano dynasty. He writes, he writes that an evaluation of the Roosevelt Delano dynasty for the past, present, and future of the United States has been impossible. Hidretto, because the data has been carefully hidden in family records and has not been available to the public. Even in the case of one of the most publicized members of the dynasty, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Little of really important background is known to the public. Why the need for concealment? Why the secrecy? Good question. Johnson points out that 12, 12 U.S. presidents have been listed in the FDR family tree. Of these 12, eight were on the Delano side and four on the Roosevelt side. So closely has the secret been kept that it will undoubtedly surprise the uh, the listeners to know that most closely related of these presidents to FD, FDR was not Theodore Roosevelt, but it was, check this out, but it was Ulysses S. Grant. Interesting enough, his real name was Hiram Ulysses Grant. One wonders if Hiram, a biff of the Masonic legend, had anything to do with his name. It's been discussed how several of the presidential ancestors of FDR were devolved of integrity and honesty. Apart from the presidential ancestry, FDR had a very important Illuminati ancestor named Clinton Roosevelt. Clinton Roosevelt actually published a book, The Science of Government, in which, according to Joseph, published a blueprint to nullify the Constitution and Sovietize the USA. It was published in 18. 41. It contains a detailed plan of the New Deal and NRA, National Recovery Act, drawn 92 years before his cousin, Franklin Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, launched the conspiracy. Amazing. 1841. Folks, do you see how, how long this has been in progress and how it, this is why it has legs to stand and run all over us right now? Anthony Sutton has looked into the banking and business an, uh, ancestry of FDR. He points out that F FDR's great-grandfather, 
James Roosevelt, founded the Bank of New York in the year 1784 and was its president from 70, 1786 to 1791. Also, the investment banking firm of Roosevelt and Son of New York City was founded in 1797. And in 1930, George E. Roosevelt, FDR's cousin, was the fifth member of the family in direct succession to head the firm. Thus, from the late 18th century, the Roosevelts were in the banking business. The same James Roosevelt also established the first ever sugar refinery in New York as early as 1740. And right up until the 1930s, the family had connections with the Cuban sugar refining. Huh. Boy, these guys got their cans in the cookie jar all over the place directly from the father's father. Huh. Interesting. FDR's father was also involved with banking. Nomi Prine states, FDR's father, James Roosevelt, had been a successful banker who traveled in circles of J.P. Morgan <laughs> and Ilk. The Roosevelts owned a home on the majestic banks of the Hudson River in the Hyde Park, New York, where many elite industrial financiers spent their autumn in colorful foliage. The Morgans, the Rockefellers, Ancestors and the Vanderbilts were all friends. These names sound familiar, folks? Here's your eight families that are supposedly rule the world. Here they are. We're all friends and neighbors of FDR. All of the aforementioned families are important players in the New World Order movement. James Roosevelt also got involved in a railroad business, becoming president of several railroad companies. Now, the Delano side of FDR's family was, was connected with highly important international banking families. One of FDR's uncles, Fred, Frederick Adrian Delano, was nominated at the Federal Reserve Board. Anthony Sutton has uncovered a confidential letter from Benjamin Strong, governor of Federal Reserve, requesting confidential FRB data. Benjamin Strong is one of the most important banking figures of the century, having led a key role in participating in the economic cash of 1929 in collaboration with Montague Norman, governor of the Bank of England. It is crucial to note that the Federal Reserve, which was established by the Congress in late December of 1913, is a private entity with the power to print dollars and lending these on a normal interest to the U.S. government. The U.S. government has the constitutional right to print and mint its currency, but Congress took away its power and gave it to the Federal Reserve, which has ever since controlled the U.S. money line. The Federal Reserve's owned by a few international banking families, including the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and the Warburgs. The ownership is carefully concealed till this day to us, the American citizens. Yeah, so no wonder we'll never get our true debt paid off the rate where we're going. For centuries now, the Federal Reserve is not owned. I bet a lot of you listening thought it was owned by our government right here in the good old U.S. of A., but it's actually owned. Well, I just read it to you. Anthony Studd has stated, further, there is a lifelong and intimate Warburg associate Association with the Roosevelts from childhood to the New Deal. The Warburg Roosevelt Association is illustrated by an extract 
from James P. Walper's memoirs. It so happened, quote, it so happened that I had known the president's eldest son, James Roosevelt, for some years because he had been living in one of the cottages on my Uncle Felix's estate in White Plains. No wonder, no wonder, shoot. When FDR became president, he appointed James P. Warburg as an advisor on international monetary affairs. It's also significant that FDR's father and J.P. Morgan had co-founded, that's right, together, co-founded the Metropolitan Club in New York. All these things are being mentioned to emphasize the deep and long-standing ties of both sides of the FDR's family with the international banking families who have had a key role in planning and inciting wars, revolutions, and bloodbaths, and which aim at setting up a global slave state under their control, a.k.a. the New World Order. This is so fascinating. Eustence uh, Mullins, who was, one, who was one of the most knowledgeable men on the planet regarding the international banking families, has written that FDR himself was an international banking of ill reprove having floated large sums. These bonds defaulted and our citizens lost millions of dollars, but they still wanted Mr. Roosevelt as president. <laughs> E.M. Josephine has also written, it is, it is questionable whether any one man was more presently identified during the preposterous 1920s with enterprises that trimmed the investors than the high franchiser Franklin D. Roosevelt. So, yeah. So, I wonder, I wonder, wonder, wonder who shot the world governor. No, I wonder, could they have been stealing elections that far back? <gasps> it's unthinkable. Yeah, of course they were. Of course they were. I'm wondering, right? And I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I'm wondering if I ever voted in a fair federal election. I seriously wonder that now. I really do. All the research I've done, I, I just, I just can't put a date, uh, put a, put my finger on it when it was an actual fair election. FDR entered politics through a fortuitous circumstance. During World War II, he was the Assistant Secretary of Navy. According to Mullins, on the account of his position, FDR had intervened to prevent the prosecution of a large ring of homosexuals in the Navy which included several Groton and Harvard chums. Wow. As a result, and remember now, homosexuals, this is back in the 1930s. I mean, this is a long time ago. Wow. As a result, FDR got the favorable attention of a wealthy homosexual group presided over by Bessie Marbury, who belonged to an old and prominent New York family. The group run ran by Bessie Marbury, traveled between New York and Paris. They recruited J.P. Morgan's youngest daughter, Annie Morgan, into their circle and used her fortune to restore a villa, uh, Villa Tryon in Paris, which became their headquarters. During World War I, it was used as a hospital as well. For her war services, Bessie Murrow expected to be honored by the French government, and she would have been awarded Legion of Honor but for the invention, for the intervention of J.P. Morgan Jr., who despised her for corrupting his youngest sister, he requested the French government to withhold the reward, which they did. 
Mullins narrates, smarting from this rebuff, Bessie Marbury threw herself into politics and became a power in the Democratic National Party. She also recruited Eleanor Roosevelt into her circle, and during a visit to Hyde Park, Eleanor confided that she was desperate to find something for poor Franklin to do (laughs) as he was confined to a wheelchair and was very depressed. Quote, I know what we'll do, examined Bessie. We will run him for governor of New York. Because of her power, she succeeded in this goal, and Roosevelt later became president. Josephine has made an important revelation about FDR's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. She was the niece of FDR's relative, President Theodore Roosevelt. He states the only contributions of Eleanor Roosevelt that have ever been authenticated were those to the were those to the Communist Front and fellow traveler organizations. To them, Eleanor gave unstingy of her time, her energy, and her funds. They gave in return. She is no parlor pink, but has been an intimate associate of the founders of the Communist Party in the United States almost from its beginning. It was so much, it was as much her influence as the Rockefeller agent Harry L. Hopkins that played on FDR's suggestibility and constantly warped him to the left. As revealed by Major George Racy Jordan, uh, Harry Hopkins was was sending all important documents pertaining to the technical aspects of the atomic bomb project to the Soviet Union during World War II. Oh, man. So, yeah, corrupt from the beginning. Phew, man. This whole family's corrupt. When FDR contested for governor in New York, his campaign was funded by Edward S. Hawkness of the Standard Oil Company. Gee, I wonder who owns that. You guys remember who owns Standard Oil? Who started it? Uh Uh-huh. The Rockefellers? Yeah, you're right. Right, bingo. Vincent Astor of the Roosevelt Delano Dynasty, Bernard Bernard Bark of the Orion Morgan Rockefeller Group, (laughs) Owen D. Young of the General Electric Company. Who owned that? You guys remember that? J.P. Morgan? Uh, A Morgan henchman, Jesse H. Jones and Pierce C.S. Stratus. Thomas Dalton has pointed out that his gubernation elections, FDR was able to win more Jewish votes than his opponent, who was actually Jewish. This indicated something about the strength of FDR's connection to that group. FDR was elected president of the U.S. in 1932. His campaign received contributions from DuPonts, the Rockefellers, and others in, 19, in 1931, as well as 32. We will quote the 1932 contributions only. Joseph writes to FDR's 1932 election campaign. There was contributed by William Randolph Hearst, $30,000. Pay attention to this. Edward S. Harkness of Standard Oil Company, $12,000. Now, you got to remember something, right? When I, when I read these numbers, you got to remember, this isn't 2023. This is 1932. So imagine, you know, $12,000 is probably, I don't know, $100,000. Now, I would say easily, right? Okay, uh, William Randolph Hearst, 30000 Edward S. Harkness of Standard Oil, 12000 John J. Rossum, $23,000. Uh, 
Bernard and Brunt of the Ryan Rockefeller Morgan Group, $45,000. Francis P. Garvin, representing the Brady interest, $15,000. And indirectly, the associate against prohibition amendment supported Roosevelt with the sums up to $100,000. Contributed by Lamont DuPont, Pierce DuPont, Vincent Astern, and William H. Woodland, $35,000 each. It is clear that FDR was the candidate of the bankers and big business, such as the Rockefellers, Morgans, and DuPont. An an important aspect of FDR's presidential support has been described by Thomas Dalton. I show Roosevelt's dependence on Jewish supporters in his Gerbernation term. When it came time to mount a presidential campaign, his old buddies were there to help. As Mylan uh, Scarlin explains, a number of wealthy Jewish friends contributed to Roosevelt's pre-nomination campaign fund. Henry Montauk and Governor Lynchman, Jesse Stratus, and Lawrence Steinhan on the primaries were out of the way. Roosevelt's campaign was heavily underwritten by Bernard Brock. The deepest and most powerful contribution to the FDR campaign came from the Rothschilds of London. This has been uncovered and described by E.C. Kahn, the immersed crash and loss in Americans' securities served not only to damage and cripple Britain than these great competitors, but also discipline and reluct and unfriendly administration seems beyond doubt that the, check this out, $1.233 billion of foreign gold was moved out of the country in the election year of 1932 to bring further discredit to that unfriendly administration and to influence the elections seemed beyond question. The bankers wished to punish the incumbent Herbert Hoover, who, though intentionally an agent of the bankers, had refused to accept the New Deal as a prism pattern of fascism. He also knew that the crash was caused by certain decisions of the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve. But instead of coming out about it in the open, he kept quiet and was discarded. Now, FDR was re-elected in 1936, and there was a reverse gold movement by the Rothschilds to favor FDR that $1.1396 billion in foreign gold was moved into the country in 1935 to influence the election and to recreate confidence to prepare the American investors for a further milking in 1937. Seems beyond question. The fact that the House of Rothschild made its money in the great crashes of history, the very periods when others lost their money, is beyond question. It is thus clear that the election and re-election of FDR was made possible by the mansions of the House of Rothschild. FDR had been brought to the power for one purpose alone, to take the U.S. in the war against Germany. There is ample evidence that the war had been planned, and in fact, well before the war broke out, the U.S. ambassador to France, William Bullitt, FDR's agent proactive in Europe, had told a diplomat in fall of 1938 that a war lasting at least six years will take place. He was known as the homosexual, belonged to a rich banking family, and had Jewish roots. Wow. Uh, I mean, can you get any more evil? 
Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> when FDR was elected president, he inducted numerous Jews into his government. Douglas Reed gives his assessment of the advisors of FDR among the president's advisors were many of foreign birth or, in effect, became foreign by their devotion to Zionism or their attitude towards world revolution and world government. In this sense, a foreign group embodying the mass immigration of preceding hundred years formed itself around the American president and steered the course of event. The 12 years that followed showed that any advice acted on by the president must have been to the benefit of the destructive principle in three and three eternal forms, communism, Zionism, and world government. David Martin points out, in many incidents in the United States in 1930s and 40s, pro-communism and pro-Zionism could be found in the same individuals who were almost always exclusively Jewish. U.S. Navy pilot Ben Bradbury writes a partial list of Jews surrounding FDR, including Bernard Bark, Felix uh, Frankfurt, David E. Litchell, David Niles, Louis Brandis, Samuel L. Roseman, Harry Martin Jr., Benjamin V., Rabbi Stephen Wise, French, uh, Francis Perkins, Sidney Hillman, uh, Herbert H. Leem, Jesse L. Stratus, Harold J. Langston, Charles E. Watkins, Samuel Untergon, Edward Fane, David Dubensky, Abe Fortes, Harry Dexter White. Wow, there's a bunch of them here. Harold Glaser, Irving Copeland, Solomon Adair, Benjamin Cordos, Anna Rosenberg, and numerous others also to the exclusion of Gentile advisors. As a result of this, FDR was enveloped in a milieu of Jewish hate and hostility for Germany. Each and every name mentioned above was deeply embedded and cunning agent of the high cabal. Some had a mysterious background. For instance, for instance, Harry Dexter White had no background record. Douglas Reed points out that, according to the American newspaper, no birth certificates of any man called Harry Dexter White exist, and none knows who he is or who he was. Reed adds, during all the all these years, the man whose truly identity apparently would never be known, was a Soviet agent. And the proof was proofed to and refused by President Roosevelt. And this Soviet agent who emerged from darkness in 1934 was entrusted with full responsibility for all matters and which the Treasury has to deal having bearing on foreign relations. Wow. I mean, that's that's a lot right there. And you know what? That's a lot to take in. I tell you what, we'll do, we'll do one more paragraph and we'll do a part two to this episode. Cause some of you may want to go back and re-listen this episode. Cause that's a lot of information in the last 30 minutes or so. And then we go the foring, the foregoing then raises the question, did FDR have a Jewish ancestry? The preparations of genealogical chart of FDR for the Carnegie Institute which the Association Press News Agencies dispatched to its membership on March 7th, 1934. Both documents claim to sustain FDR's Jewish ancestry, 
which provides an explanation for radical policies and his administrative administration's legislation. It also reveals why he favored hundreds of Jews, socialists, and communists for high positions within the government. Spingelov Fuller points out that FDR's mother, mother's ancestors were most likely Serpic Jews. When his mother, Sarah Delano, died in 1941, the B&B Hillel Foundation purchased the house of the Roosevelt family in New York and converted it into the Sarah Delano Interfaith House for students of Hunter College. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! So I'm hoping that this, this, uh, this added some value to your knowledge about what's happening. There's a lot to go. I mean, there's still more. I'm going to show you in these special reports, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up uh, FDR, which there's not a whole lot more we can say. I'm going to show you about the how he was involved in Pearl Harbor and what, have, and what have you. But I'm going to show you how this ties in to today's mainstream media, your news companies, your Pfizer companies, BlackRock, your investment companies. I'm going to show you a lot. By the way, just a little teaser, and we're going to talk more about this. Do you guys know who the actual owner of BlackRock is? You guys have heard me talk about BlackRock. They're this big investment group. But who's their actual owner? Like who's who owns more shareholders, share stocks, and what have you in them than anyone else? The Rothschild family. The Rothschild family. Yep. I want to leave that as food for thought. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. And I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. And as always, God bless and God bless America. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our other episodes.